guys. Welcome back to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. I'm excited to share today's conversation with you. It's one I got to have with John Harris about how government becomes God, what that looks like when people start believing in government as God and try to trade in uh, Christianity for politics, but instead get a whole new religion. That's what we're talking about today. Before we get into that conversation, I want to let you know about the sponsors for today. That is Cornerstone Curriculum, Little Light Artisans, and Conviction Co. I also want to let you know about our Friday Firestarters community, our uh, Patreon community, I should say, where I air bonus episodes exclusively recorded for that community every Friday. They are 30 minutes or less. They are on current events or topics that are in the news that week. It's like an Instagram rant on steroids and it's $10 a month. And that $10 a month gets you four to five episodes, depending on how many Fridays are in that month. And uh, it's just me and the mic. But this is a growing community of women who are like-minded. There are no conversations off topic there or not, not able to be discussed. And um, it's just a very different vibe than Kindled because uh, it's not going out to thousands of people. It's going out to those who have partnered to support this ministry and uh, want to hear uh, me apply a biblical worldview to the events in the news that week or things people are talking about on social media. Um, Really, like I said, anything goes. So uh, check it out at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. And on my website, kindledpodcast.com, I have three free episodes that you can listen to to get a feel for what fire starters are like and see if that would be something that you want to add to your weekly listening. Um, I actually created it because I heard from so many people they were totally caught up on the podcast. They wanted more content from me. And so this is a way for me to be able to give that to them while also allowing them to support the ministry and help me continue to do what I'm doing here. Okay, so that's all the announcements I have. Here's my conversation with John Harris. Well, today on Kindle, I'm chatting with John Harris. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So before we get started, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to listeners, tell them who you are and what you do. Well, yeah, so my name's John Harris, and I uh, that's... <laughs> A bit of a complex topic. Uh, the main things people know me for are probably my podcast conversations that matter, which is on YouTube and Apple Podcasts at any audio platform, pretty much. And then I've written a few books on the social justice movement. The latest one is called Christianity and Social Justice: Religions and Conflict. And you can go to Christianity and Social Justice.com if you want to see that. And then uh, I also have been doing some uh, production work with Last Stand Studios. Uh, laststandstudios.org is that website and we've done a few documentaries and we have a few more we're doing and uh, so that that's my public profile I guess so um, that's what people know me for very cool Um, I've heard you mention the documentaries on your podcast what is the what is the recent one that you you just did yeah so we uh, the one we released I think last week or the week before is called American Monument and we did a documentary on uh, monuments that are coming down across the United States. And we, we have, I think, a broad range of people that participated, everyone from uh, professors of political science and history and philosophy to, uh, I guess, more or less, you could say, um, activists, people who are trying to prevent uh, monuments from being taken down. So we focus on um, Christopher Columbus, 
the Confederate monuments to soldiers, uh, the um, monuments to uh, military leaders and the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. And we just go through each set of uh, targeted individuals and talk about what's true or valuable or beautiful about some of the works of art that have been put up to commemorate uh, the virtues that they exhibited. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we think we're trying, what we're trying to do is give a side that we don't think has been heard that much, even in conservative circles, uh, because I think fear of being called a racist or um, feeling that uh, it's just not politically something that would benefit them uh, to do. But, but I disagree with that. I think this is the line that we need to draw to protect our history. And mm-hmm. if we don't, then we're going to see all of our history, including our constitution and our uh, founding documents be basically accused of abuse or oppression and, and they're going to be disrespected. And so we're already seeing that to some extent, but mm-hmm. it'll just get worse. So we, we drew our line in the sand and, and that was the documentary American Monument. Mm. Yeah, man, that's fascinating. And I, I, I think that kind of gets at why I wanted to have you on the show, because you often, like you just said, you do kind of um, draw your own line. I mean, obviously I, I know that you are a Christian and you draw that you, you seek to be aligned with scripture, but you do, um, you do not necessarily, you know, kind of automatically bandwagon with the loudest conservative voice or, you know, even maybe a mainstream view. Like, um, I was just listening to one of your podcasts about the Glenn Youngkin win in Virginia, and you kind of challenge some of the narrative going on around that even, um, questioning, you know, perhaps whether he is really as conservative as he says he is, you know, and, and things like that. Um, I might be mischaracterizing that to a little bit. No, just in- I, no, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think I wouldn't call him a conservative, but people are very mm-hmm. excited about the win because mm-hmm. uh, we've needed hope. And I understand yeah. that. And right. he's got an R next to his name. Right. Uh, Trump endorsed him. So um, it, it would seem like we can trust someone like that. I have a little bit of a closer uh, I, I was closer to what was happening down there during the primary. So maybe my view is affected by that. But um, there are just a number of things that he has done and positions he's taken, which uh, could not be considered conservative in the least, uh, from supporting dependence on China at the World Economic Forum in Davos to um, just his own uh, company and him even supporting their giving to the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Equal Justice Initiative. Uh, going to a church that i mean they say he's a he's a strong christian but the church if you look at the church he goes to uh they're you know putting things on their social media supporting ruth bader ginsburg and how she fought for equality when she died and they're very pro um, mm-hmm. homosexuality and mm-hmm. he committed to uh, doing a book with the church called be the bridge which is basically critical race theory uh he yep. wouldn't tell the nra where he stood on guns he was very um he, he, he kept any pro-life views kind of hidden. Uh, there, there was kind of a, a controversy over that. And then he's praising Terry McAuliffe up to, I think it was about two, two or three years ago. He's praising him for the good job he's doing with Virginia. This is the person he ran against. So when you start looking at um, his track record, no one really knows where he came from. He wasn't active in the Republican Party. Uh, he was part, he was a CEO of a company that uh, frankly, some have said is is corrupt and kind of uh, part of in, in bed with the deep state, mm-hmm. uh, Carlisle. And now out of nowhere, he's running as a Republican. So um, he mm-hmm. had a lot of money. He was able to uh, convince people, enough people that he was conservative 
he barely won the primary. He, he got very close to losing to someone who was conservative or more conservative. And, uh, and, and now he's won the general election and people are celebrating. And um, I'm, I don't want to you know, rain on the parade, but I, I do think that uh, we have to keep our eyes open. We can't just because yeah. someone has an R next to their name, uh, approve them and say that, you know, it's, it's good from here on out. We're going to have to hold someone like him accountable for right. uh, he, he won because of conservatives who voted for him. And now and largely be, because of his opponent's failure. <laughs> well, his opponent said something very foolish about right. parents not being able. Yeah. So right. that really, I think, did him in. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so this is going to happen, I think, all across the country. There are Republicans who are great reset Republicans. And uh, just because they have an R next to their name doesn't mean that they're going to be doing the, you know, the MAGA agenda is something that they're in support of. And I don't think Glenn Youngkin is a MAGA conservative at all. I think he's probably he's a liberal and at best he's going to be a rhino probably. But but you know what? Hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. things the opposition from the Democrats might move him to the right. I mean, we can always hope that and pray for that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think we should be so easily convinced, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, you know, the point of me sharing that was to say that I I think that's what you do well on your podcast is, is you, you don't just jump to the assertion that everyone makes. And I think that it's very easy. um, It's an easy thing to just say, oh, yay, like, cool, we're turning blue states red. This is good. This is great. But without, you know, do we actually care about the truth? Or do we just are we just idolizing politicians and saying that if our side wins, everything will be well? Well, like you said, like, if someone's professing to be a Christian, and then not it's like, if we pull out of the political context and think about just the, you know, as a believer, like, what does it mean to go to a biblical church? And are you under the authority of a biblical church? And if not, um, uh, like, what did what problems could that pose? Well, you know, it starts to kind of tear down maybe like you said the excitement that we might have about a blue state turning red but wouldn't we rather be on the side of truth in living in reality than just kind of parroting all of the um you know the uh, i guess automatic responses that we see um and, and that we like you said we want to feel we want to believe that maybe people are waking up to what's going on but at the same time um, more importantly we need to not be kind of being lulled to sleep by the politics of, you know, R versus D um, and then fail to see maybe right. the, the, the deeper truths of, of really who someone is or what they stand for or, or anything like that. So I think that that's, that's something you do well on your podcast and um, something we probably have in common is that we want, we want to think critically about everything that's going on. Yeah, agreed. Hundred percent. Yeah, we we can't just uh, accept things because um, because it sounds good. We have to do a little bit of digging, and sometimes that's a daunting task. But mm-hmm. it doesn't take as long as you might think. If, even if you take ten minutes and you start looking up a candidate, you start finding things and you start asking questions, mm-hmm. and you can um, look at someone's trajectory, look at their history, and so yeah, hundred and ten percent with you on that. Mm-hmm. I want to let you know about our first sponsor of today, and that is Cornerstone Curriculum. This is one that I am so excited to share with you because it has a very special place in my heart. I get asked all the time by listeners of this show and people on Instagram, where did you learn to think this way? I want to make sure my kids can think critically about the issues you talk about on this show. The answer, aside from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God, is Cornerstone Curriculum. 
As a high schooler, I was fortunate enough to get to complete their complete high school curriculum, Worldviews of the Western World. This holistic approach to education teaches a biblical worldview and the Bible's answers to today's biggest cultural issues. It teaches young people critical thinking and philosophy. It trains and makes disciples and leaders for the next generation. In this curriculum, students begin an integrated study of literature, philosophy, government, economics, history, geography, science, and art, showing how the ideas of each era shaped society holistically. This approach is far superior to a traditional school setting where subjects are separated into individual classes. Students who complete this program will be equipped to reason and think critically on any subject, and they will be prepared to stand firm for Christ in the 21st century. I cannot wait for the day my girls are old enough to start this curriculum. I cannot recommend it enough, and I would urge you to check out their website, cornerstonecurriculum.com, and use the code KINDLED for 5% off anything you order from their site. Whether your kids are in elementary or even in the middle of high school, Cornerstone Curriculum has resources to help you equip them today. Uh, So definitely check out their website, cornerstonecurriculum.com. Use KINDLED for 5% off. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, what are a question that I want to ask you, because you do cover a lot of the similar topics that I cover on, on my podcast, you know, theological issues within, you know, Christendom, you'll, you'll tackle cultural discussions or political topics. And so you kind of have a, a very broad, uh, finger on the pulse of what is going on, um, both, you know, in the secular world, but also as it kind of, touches, um, what, what we experience as Christians in the world. And so I'm curious what you see as, you know, if you could categorize that the top, I don't know, top three or so, um, threats to Christians today. And I don't even necessarily mean a, a physical threat, but ideological threats right. or those types of things that are, that you see as maybe the biggest, um, cracks in the foundation that people might not even be aware of, or that the bulk of, of believers might be missing. Oh goodness. So yeah, the social justice movement, um, that's a wide umbrella, but I think that's, I, obviously that's what I've been focusing a lot on. I've written some books on it and I would include, um, you know, women's rights, well, feminism, that's probably the, the word I should use feminism, uh, the, uh, LGBT, uh, movement, the, um, you know, and now, and that's now at L- LGBTQIA plus, I I'm, I'm not sure what it is up to now, but that whole entire thing, I think, um, the BLM movement is part of this, the, the me too movement to some extent, uh, even the COVID stuff going on now, there's just so many different facets of it. So within the social justice movement, there's a lot of different moving parts that I could point to and say, okay, there's, there's a threatening ideology right there. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, I, I think it's mainly secular threats today. I mean, I think 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, people would have said Islam is a threat. And, and certainly it is to Christianity, certain cults, uh, and they're still out there, but uh, nothing's taken the world by storm or the United States by storm as fast as a secular religion, which is, which is what mm-hmm. the social justice movement is. So, um, so I think Christians need to be very careful, cautious, discerning is the, really the word about these movements, compare it to what scripture says. And what you'll find is that uh, in the name of loving others or 
um, in the name of doing something good, equality, diversity, inclusion. Uh, they're pushing ideas that are in conflict with Christianity directly. They're pushing postmodern ideas that destroy revelation. They're pushing uh, ideas about justice that are antithetical to biblical justice. They're pushing um, uh, an ideology that flattens everyone, denies the image of God and people and reduces them down to whether they're oppressors or oppressed. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of different things that uh, the social justice movement advocates that if you really think through it, you'll realize it's, this is in conflict with biblical teaching. And one of, one of the issues is um, many Christians aren't thinking through some of these things. And so uh, they get, um, they get in trouble. They, they, mm -hmm. in, in sometimes in well-meaning ways too, they want to do something good and they think this is a, a good thing to do. And then next thing you know, they're buying into Marxist ideas and postmodern ideas. So, uh, so I did reduce it down to one. You asked me, I think for three. So hopefully that counts with, within that broad umbrella. There's, there's certainly three that I could pull from that uh, social justice movement that I, I would say are yeah. threats to the church. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head. And when you said, you know, uh, that this worldview and this ideology is in conflict with Christianity, I think what people often fail to deduce from that is that that means it's in conflict with what is good for people. And I don't say that to say people are the ultimate end or that, you know, we yeah. everything exists for the glory of people or humanity, but you can't have both something that is in conflict with what God says and with what the, the parameters he's laid out for how we are to live and where we are to find our identity and who he says we are. We cannot go against that and end up in a place that is good for creation, good for humans, good for men, women, children. It is impossible, you know, and that's what I think so many people kind of fail to like follow that conclusion to its natural end is that if we are denying that our identity is, is ultimately found in who we are created in the image of, we are image bearers of God. Like you said, it, we are denying the image of God and people saying you are creating basically uh, your own image. You are whoever you want to make yourself to be. And you get to say who you are. You get to define yourself. Um, we are going to end up in a terrible place. We already are in a terrible place. Like we, we are, we're there, we're there. And of course it's yeah. not going to get better, but um, as long as we do that. But I think that a, a lot of Christians seem to, the secularism you're talking about has sort of lulled people to sleep in a way that they, they seem to think that we can still kind of coexist together. Are you seeing that? Do you, do yeah, you see that? Yeah, there's a name for it. They call it principled pluralism. And I was taught that at seminary and it's the idea that, um, you can really, I think it was brought about more for, because of the sexual revolution and how that movement was threatening the church. And so the idea is that you can hold on to your convictions and have this neutral public square where someone mm -hmm. uh, who's an LGBTQ activist and a Christian can both uh, enjoy freedom of speech and, and some of these other freedoms. Um, and the problem with it is there's a naivete to it where mm -hmm. secularists uh, and specifically social justice secularists, people who are Marxist in their thinking are totalitarian. There's no, yeah. if you get rid of God, you have to replace God with something else or need it, or else you have just chaos. So in order to prevent chaos and in order to um, have some social order, then there's going to have to be a central authority. So if you kick out God and you say that we're not accountable to him, we don't need self-government anymore. We can do what we want. Then the, uh, the government's going to take the place of God, and that's what we have today. And so you see, even right now, with 
uh, the issues concerning, uh, and I don't know if this is going to go on YouTube, so I'll just say the, uh, the jab mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the uh, adherence that so many people strongly have to it. Mm -hmm. You can see that they attribute to the government motives and, and really attributes that we would attribute to God as Christians. So uh, infallibility, inhuman goodness, um, they oftentimes will take pictures of themselves giving up their liberties as, as a way of sacrifice almost in this religion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just there, there's a lot there that you can look at and say, OK, this is almost. Uh, like a religion, the people who are, yeah. are behaving in the ways you're a heretic if you don't get the jab. So that's the threat that I see is, um, is people who are trading in Christianity, let's say for a political movement, and they think it's a political movement. In reality, it's a religion that they're buying into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yes. And uh, I love what you just said there about um, that the, the secularism is totalitarian it made me think, you know, really all, because it lacks, it lacks that central authority, everything, every religion ha ultimately comes down to, it has to have an authority. And I guess every religion really is totalitarian in the sense that they all demand your worship. You know, I mean, we are worshipers. And so we were created to worship the true God. And if we refuse to worship him, it's not that we just won't worship. We will worship the wrong God. We will worship something else, whether that is the God of ourselves, you know, or of um, progress or health and safety. Like we see in the COVID cult, you know, all these different like religions in a sense that are ultimately um, requiring our allegiance and our soul. And they're either, you know, whatever, whoever you worship is either going to bring you closer to the true God of the universe or further from him. And so, like you were saying that pluralism, principled pluralism, um, that is something that Christians need to reject and reject the notion that we can kind of all coexist with our different values. And, and I don't mean to say that we cannot live at peace with people who do not agree with us, but ultimately there is only one truth. And this is something that is challenging, I think, for us to talk about, especially as Americans, because we really do value, I mean, I value the freedoms that our constitution, um, you know, enumerates for us. And, and those are, those are freedoms that I don't believe government gives to us. I believe that God gives us, you know, the rights to life. He's the one who is the, the giver of life. And the government is meant to just protect that right. Right. It's not, it's not the one who endows you with your, with your rights. But, right. um, but I think it's challenging for Christians to talk about these things because we're like, how do I, on one hand say, I believe in freedom as an American. And then on the very next, at the very next moment say, but Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father, but through him. And you know, there's only one way, like, doesn't that contradict? I think Christians often find themselves at that place. And then they, uh, and then they find themselves saying, you know, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. I want to tell you about one of the sponsors of today's episode, and that is Conviction Co. These are the cutest statement t-shirts with conservative messages you've ever seen. You for sure have to go browse their Instagram, look at some of their latest styles. You'll see exactly what I mean. They are cute. You could wear them and dress them up with jeans or dress them down with leggings. You need one. Visit their shop at convictionco.etsy.com to purchase their products or follow along on Instagram at convictionco to see their newest items, promos, and giveaways. And listeners can use the code Kindled for 10% off all of their apparel purchases. Guys, that's a great deal. 10% off with the code Kindled.
Let me set up this scenario and get your reaction to this. A Christian who is an American, an American, um, American Christian who believes in freedoms, right? Religious freedoms, but at the same time says, but there is an absolute Uh, truth. There is only one truth. And sometimes I think that Christians struggle with what to do there, or even when it comes to the, the jab conversation of yes, bodily autonomy, individual freedom, medical choice, but don't we need to also root ourselves in reality and go, look, like, let's look at the data. Is it actually helping? Is it actually good for you? Do we just chant freedom at the expense of, of life? If the thing we're doing is actually hurting life, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that I, I I do see exactly what you're saying. Cause the word freedom is, is a very uh, nebulous term now, because what are you talking about? I mean, the LGBTQ community claims that they need the freedom to do whatever they want and the freedom to marry whoever they want and the freedom to uh, play in whatever sports they want to play in, even if they're not the biology of the league that they're participating in. So um, is that the freedom we're talking about? Uh, The freedom of the founding fathers, though, when they talk about liberty, uh, they're talking about something that they would not have understood without uh, a connection to responsibility somehow. And so mm-hmm. that connection to responsibility, is a, that's a religious thing. So God has designed this place. He's a creator um, and he's given certain roles to individuals. So we're supposed to uh, protect our families, uh, feed our families. Um, we're spo- we have a responsibility to the community that we're born into. So, so there are obligations there. Uh, and, and the freedom that we have is the freedom to fulfill those obligations. So life, mm-hmm. liberty, pursuit of happiness, um, it wouldn't have been a pleasure seeking kind of happiness. It was, it was actually property. It was being able to uh, invest in private property and mm-hmm. uh, gain uh, a profit from it. Um, in fact, life, liberty, property was often the phrase that you heard during that time. So it, it wasn't necessarily pursuit of happiness, at least right. the way that we right. interpret that today. So uh, I think there's a misunderstanding sometimes of what the founders meant when they said that. And they were they were Christians for the most part, at least if they weren't Orthodox believers, they had a Christian conception of reality. And uh, even, you know, someone like Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, who perhaps were the most uh, non-Christian of the founders, Mm -hmm. unless you include Thomas Paine in that. I don't really know if I include him in that, but at least Jefferson and Franklin, they still agreed with uh, Mm -hmm. Providence. They they. Uh, agreed with the moral teachings of Christianity, uh, and they believe that that should rule the public square. And so there is going to be a public square ruled by something. I think Mm -hmm. the freedom America has enjoyed is mainly because Christians believe in in freedom of conscience, that you cannot uh, be forced into being a Christian, that that's something that you, I mean, you can be forced to uphold Christian law, right? You can, you know, thou shall not murder is something that's incumbent Mm -hmm. on everyone. But they didn't believe that you could convert to Christianity through the sword, that that was something that right. you had to, um, that was between you and God. And mm-hmm. so because of that, we have freedom of conscience and that's um, helped create the, the public square that we enjoy. But it, when, once you get to the point of Christianity no longer holding sway, uh, and uh, you, know, you, you mentioned before that you know, all religions are totalitarian in a sense, and in a sense they are, Christianity believes God is the creator. He's in control. His law is important. It's, um, but ultimately divine judgment comes after this life and Mm -hmm. social justice advocates who don't believe in after this life because they're secularists want judgment to come in this life. So 
their kind of totalitarianism mm. is is wrapped up in not the spiritual realm, but in the temporal realm. And the government right. is the one that holds the keys to it. Mm. So mm. it's it's a much more real kind of totalitarianism that affects everyone in the here and now. Mm. And uh, and once they gain control, which I think they have now for the most part, and they hold sway, uh, get, get to that 51 percent and, and they're able to win elections and control what happens, then you start getting people canceled the people who are the heretics of this new religion aren't allowed a place in the public square anymore mm -hmm. which is what we're we're finding and it's not just applying to christians it's applying to anyone who would even question the movement but uh, the way to see it is, is as a grand religious movement it's no different in some ways than the inquisition or uh right. you know as liberals look at the past and they they're horrified by burning witches or these kinds of things i mean you have something like that right in front of you and uh and so, yeah. um, so a Christian who, you know, to, to circle back to your the answer to your question, a Christian who thinks, well, we should just be able to have freedom. Uh, it, freedom's not a blank check. Freedom comes with responsibility. There's obligations. And without those obligations, that order, that responsibility, uh, then there, there can be no freedom. So right. self-government's limited government. Uh, the government that's closest is the best government. Small government's better. Accountability's better. Um, human scale is something we should think about, you know, as we consider what size uh, the government should have, you know, these, these things are all Christian things that prevent uh, a central authority from gaining too much power and then pretending that it's God. Right. Yeah. What you said just there is, is so good. Freedom is not a blank check. It always comes with responsibility. And the question is really who decides what that responsibility is? Where do we get our, our idea of, of what we are responsible for and to whom. And, um, you know, the, it reminded me of some quotes that the founding fathers, um, you know, said when they were, when they were writing the constitution was that they understood that virtue or morality was a necessary spring of popular government. Um, that was George Washington and that human rights could only be assured among a virtuous people. And Benjamin Franklin said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom, which is right. exactly what you and I are, are saying is that to presume that we can just have, we can just chant freedom and have freedom with no moral grounding at all in any standard of truth is just preposterous. And we should know that as Christians, because obviously the Bible is very clear to us that we are living in a, a sinful fallen world. And, um, and, and that's the very reason that God gave us government. It's actually a gift to us. You know, it's, it really is a gift when it, it, when it stays within its, its lane and its boundaries. But like you were just explaining so clearly that because it takes, um, the system of judgment out of like the, the spiritual realm puts it into the physical, because it doesn't have a belief in, you know, um, souls or that there is, you will live eternally as a soul somewhere, it has to dole out an exact justice now, according to its system. And, and so what we're seeing is um, like you were describing, like with the social justice movement, uh, the cancellation of the heretics and, you know, the burning at the stake and all of those things that um, unfortunately seem like they're just kind of in their infancy now, um, which I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Like yeah. I, I hear, I hear different things from different, podcasters or, you know, um, authors that I kind of follow and pay attention to. And, and some people have a very, very doom and gloom approach of where we are headed as far as, um, you know, just how woke things have become and not, not only just on the social justice aspect, but also even 
other issues that are, you know, kind of fall under the justice conversation, like climate, which yeah. obviously we know is a huge driver for so many of the pol- the radical policies of Biden's administration. Like, I mean, it's the cover for it, but um, all of that, I mean, it's it just, it's, we're obviously not headed in the right direction. And most Americans right now, actually they're polling and they agree. Most Americans think we're on the wrong track. Our next sponsor today is Little Light Artisans. Now these earrings are absolutely beautiful. They are handcrafted from start to finish. Uh, It's a small Christian family-owned business. You will not find unique earrings anywhere like this. And with Christmas coming up, it's the perfect unique gift that is conscientious of who you're supporting uh, while also giving someone a truly beautiful and unique gift. They are lightweight, which means they do not feel heavy and chunky and you can wear them all day and forget that you have them on the owners are giving kindled listeners uh 20 off on all orders over a hundred dollars with the code take 20 go to littlelightartisans.com to place your order today and follow them on instagram at littlelightartisans um do you have that view that we are at the beginning of kind of the downward spiral or what is your perspective on that it's a good question. I don't want to be doom and gloom. I, I do think that we're already falling and that uh, only a miracle can really stop it. There's two options in my mind. You could um, get the guts to get the conservatives who are already naturally um, going to red states and kind of uh, segmenting off from the blue states. Uh, you could get them to try to form a coalition where they actually do challenge the federal, the central authority, and they um, are, you know, willing to nullify uh, federal law, or they're willing to uh, secede if, if, if it need be. That's one option. I don't see that option playing out. Uh, the other mm-hmm. is um, we, we just honestly, I think we just get taken over some, whether that's China, whether that's we just fall into, you know, we're not a world power anymore. And corruption just kind of eats us out from the inside like it did in the Roman Empire. I, I don't see a whole lot of alternatives to that. And I think uh, oftentimes the people who have hope think uh, at poli- on a political level, I'm saying they, they mm-hmm. look at what's at n- the next two years. And, and that's something I've always seen my whole life is, OK, the midterms elections, two years, then you got the presidential election, then you got another midterm election. And every two years we're thinking like we can really turn it around this time. But that's just a political thing. That's uh, and, and now I'm not so convinced we even have elections. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I think I, I think at this point, if you look just at the cultural barometers and the corruption that seems to exist in about every institution, uh, whether it's civil institutions or uh, social institutions or uh, religious institutions, there's there's problems everywhere. There's corruption. There's there's splintering off. Uh, there's we, we don't have faith in our institutions anymore. When you look at that, I, I don't have a lot of hope for anything but um, the hand of God moving. So we got to mm-hmm. pray about this. We have to be lights in our communities mm-hmm. and we need to start thinking local, uh, not looking at the national elections every two years, but thinking like, OK, what can I do in my community to weather this storm? What can we do? Um, with the county seat of government, with the local town hall, with uh, school board, all these things are exceptionally important because federal tyranny uh, coming or even now international tyranny can sometimes be stopped at those levels. 
And, and so that's, that's what I would say to people is, you know, mm-hmm. put your hope in eternal things, put in the Lord and then uh, in the neighbors around you that you trust and know, and, mm-hmm. and don't keep looking for solutions to come from the central authority, because I think we're going to be very disappointed if that's what we look to. Yeah. And that's, I think that's very, very wise and may not be what people want to hear because, um, you know, this is another place that you probably splinter off from like the traditional conservative talking heads who are like, oh, you know, it's looking good. Midterms are looking good. This is showing this is kind of, we're, <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're seeing the strategy here. It is, here's the, here's the game plan. It's what we're going to do. And it's like, you know, uh, again, even if like, even if everything goes as well as it possibly could, you know, there are so many more forces. I, it, it seems today pulling us in the other direction than in the direction of, um, you know, one that leads to upholding of biblical values, valuing human life, you know, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. It just, it, I, and I'm a pessimist admittedly, so I'm <laughs> not, I'm not going to be the best, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for, but I, I appreciate a realistic conversation around, you know, what to put our hope in, like you said, and, and our hope is not in, um, in this world or the outcomes here politically, ultimately, but as a practical strategy of like how to live, how to live the next two, 10, 20 years. I think what you described is really the direction that we should all be looking to, um, getting involved locally, you know, possibly, um, having a plan for, you know, how to not meet in our big church buildings, but to splinter off into smaller groups, um, you know, whatever that needs to look like for us locally, just being willing to consider that it might not always look the way it looks today and that God is still good and he's still faithful and right. um, he will still see us through to eternity because he will, his word does not fail and he will accomplish that which he, which he sets out to do always. Um, and that, like you said, we can be a light um, locally, I think that so much of our, our like failure to be willing or maybe unwillingness to see the way you described with things kind of go away from being national and digital and global to like real life in your neighborhood. Who do you know around you that you can barter for eggs from that sort of thing? Like people have a hard economy. Yeah. Yes. People have a hard time with that because we have gone so virtual and so digital. Um, and yet, you know, I wonder if that's not necessarily how humans were created to operate and that so many of the problems that we encounter in the digital world and sphere of all the things that we deal with are, are, would actually be solved if we just went back to like how humans used to live, you know, in communities. And I don't know, this is coming from a podcaster. So I, I know that it sounds silly that I'm even saying that, but Ah, no, Jesus said to love your neighbor and your neighbor is the, the person who you actually interact with. Think of a good Samaritan. It's someone that you are walking on a real road and there's someone right there who is in need in front of you. And social justice advocates often will say how they love humanity or, or a certain victim mm-hmm. group who they might not have any interaction with. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, a world away from them outside of their experience, but they love them because they're going to vote to steal money from one person and give it to them or something. And that's not real love. Real love is uh, the people that are closest to you. In fact, uh, the commands that we have in scripture are primarily first to the church, or if you're a member of the church or to uh, your family members, you know, if you don't 
uh, if, you, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. If, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you, you, the one and others are given to members of the church. So you have kind of different circles of people who are close to you. And we don't we only have 24 hours in the day. You can only love so many people, but you're required to love the things that are familiar, not the things that are unfamiliar. Now you can love those things, but the digital age and globalism is it's a deception because of that. It mm-hmm. takes love and it says really love is not something that you do with people who are familiar to you. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, there oftentimes those people are the bigots, the parent, you know, your parents and grandparents. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you you love something foreign and distant and and the, the more diverse, the more different, the better. That's what love is. And that's right. a complete deception. That's not what love is. So that's why I say think think local in terms of your community, your neighbors, the people that um, that you are friends with and your family your church. Those are the people that you should be investing most of your time with. And I think podcasts like yours uh, help people. It's a, you're, you're encouraging them. That's what you provide probably more than anything else is um, you're a voice of sanity. And when a lot of the other voices that are out there that have um, platforms are, uh, they're not saying th- those kinds of things. They're, they're telling us to put our hope mostly in things like an election. And, uh, and, and it's not, you know, we can't get excited about those things. I'm not saying not to, but our hope ultimately needs to be in the Lord. And then we need to just be about who the commands he's given us. And I think we'll be a lot happier that way. And so, um, my wife and I, we're not perfect either, by the way. I mean, I order from Amazon every now and then I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I participate in the world as it is, and there's some blessings from that, but, yeah. um, I have become more conscious of, okay, where am I shopping? Uh, is there an alternative? Do I have to go to Lowe's or can I go to the local hardware store? Can I, mm-hmm. um, like you said, get your eggs from like an organic source, a farmer near you or something. These are the kinds of things that we should be starting to at least think about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Man, well, I appreciate your wisdom and your voice and all the things that you cover on your podcast. People should definitely go check that out. If you haven't, I will link it in the show notes. Uh, And it's conversations that matter. Um, And where can people connect with you online other than listening to your podcast? Uh, Other than the podcast, uh, they can go to worldviewconversation.com. And that's where you'll find links to all the social media places that people can find me. Um, So Patreon's there and Facebook and Gab and all the other stuff. And, uh, and then Last Stand Studios, laststandstudios.org. And uh, there's email addresses, I believe, at both places. So if people want to contact me. So, yeah. Awesome. And well, thank you so much, John. Thanks for your time and talking with us today about a, a smattering of issues. So Yeah, thank you, Haley. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Be sure and leave a rating and review for the podcast if you have not done that. And come find me on Instagram. I have two accounts now, Haley.Kindled and (laughs) Kindled.Haley. One is a backup. One is my main account. Follow both because who knows how long either one will be around. I hope you guys have a great week. And I will see you Friday if you're inside Patreon. And if not, I'll see you next Monday. Bye.